We will uh, start our sermon today by hearing again just a few verses of Jesus from Matthew chapter 5, kind of his take on the law and what it's for and what it's not for. So Jesus speaks, beginning at Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus expounds for a while and then clarifies in the final verse, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for giving us your word. We thank you for sending us your law. And we thank you, most of all, for sending us your Son to clarify and to explain for us the way that it is indeed possible for us to be with you in heaven. Bless us today as we listen to the words of your Son. Fill us with spiritual wisdom and fill us with confidence about the salvation you've provided for each and every one of us. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, agree or disagree, deep down, every last person in the world is longing to prove their worth to God. Every last person in the world. Agree or disagree? Hmm, interesting. Some of you are disagreeing, and I think what you're probably thinking is, well, not every last person in the world is trying to prove their worth to God because not every last person in the world even believes in God, right? And that's certainly true. And yet something else that is true is that every last person in the world is deep down longing to prove their worth to someone. Maybe we just want to prove our worth to the universe. Like, throw some good karma out there in contrast to all the rottenness and badness in the world. That if we can just try to do some good and, and be kind of good people, maybe it'll balance some things out and maybe even good will come back to us, right? Or maybe we're trying to prove ourselves to other people. We want to prove ourselves to our parents, our teachers, our boss, our friends. Maybe we're trying to prove ourselves to the people that we want to be our friends. Or maybe we simply are just trying to prove our worth to ourselves. That we want to look in the mirror and like what we see. We want to look at our life and we want to feel proud of it. So we may not think that we're all trying to prove our worth before God, and yet this very concept of proving worth and the idea that there is worth and that there is right and wrong and that there's good and bad, that shows that we are measuring ourselves by some kind of an objective standard. Right? And if we're measuring ourselves by an objective standard, then we're admitting that there is an objective standard. And we're, if we're admitting that there is an objective standard, we're basically saying there is some kind of a higher power. In other words, 
there is some kind of a God. And so all human beings, deep down, are longing to prove our worth to God, whether we would say it in those words or not. Does that make sense? Kind of a deep philosophical beginning to the sermon, but now that we've explained this, all human beings are trying to justify ourselves to someone. Let's dig a little bit deeper, and let's say, what does this look like as all of us kind of instinctively are trying to prove ourselves to God? What does it look like? Well, when we collaborate and team up, which is something human beings are very good at, when we collaborate and team up and we make rules to follow and laws to follow and we make measuring devices to assess how we are doing in our quest to prove ourselves to God, the big word for this, it's not really a big word, is religion. Right? This is what religion is, where human beings join together, we make rules and measuring devices and we try to prove our worth to God. And human beings have been doing this for a very, very long time. For example, the ancient Egyptians, in case you're curious, uh, offered sacrifices and gave money and they lived the best lives that they possibly could in hopes that when they got to the afterlife and their soul was measured on a divine scale against the super light feather of Ma'at, they hoped that somehow their soul would be pure enough and light enough to pass the inspection so that instead of getting eaten by a soul-munching monster called Amit, their soul could actually go to eternal life. The more you know, right? This is ancient Egyptian religion. Uh, for another example, the ancient Greeks and Romans, they also offered sacrifices and gave money and lived the best lives that they possibly could in hopes that perhaps just one of the many gods in their dizzying pantheon of gods, maybe just one of these gods would even notice them and maybe show a little personal favor to them and maybe give them some skills or advantages or blessings in life. I could give many, many different examples, and I, I want to because I'm so interested in world religions, but the point is over thousands of years of religious history, the thought was always there. Pleasing God was theoretically possible. It was just really, really hard. And all these ancient religions also had stories of heroes, right? There were certain heroes who beat the odds, and through their extreme acts of goodness and valor, they managed to gain the attention of the gods and even prove their worth to the gods. But heroes were few and far between. For the normal person, for the average person, in all these ancient world religions, getting God to even notice you, let alone be pleased with you, was probably going to be a tall order. And yet, in the fog of ancient religions, there was one light, shining clearly and brightly and proclaiming a very different message about God. And this message about God said, we don't need to prove ourselves to God. Even though we've messed up, even though we've broken God's rules, God loves us, and he's promised to forgive us. In fact, God himself is going to pay for our forgiveness when he sacrifices himself in our place. That thinking about God, that message about God, is called the gospel. The first people to hear it were Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and they passed it on to their descendants. And as the murky fog of man-made religions continued to permeate the ancient world, that light of the gospel did continue to shine from one generation to the next. 
it shone in the heart of a man named Abraham, who had the amazing experience of having God himself appear to him and tell him that one of his descendants was going to be this promised savior. 500 years later, stay with me, 500 years later it was happening. Um, Abraham's children had become the great nation of Israel, a nation of millions, and under the leadership of Moses, that nation stood at Mount Sinai and they received from God a special code of laws. And the reason I say it was special is unlike any other religion in the ancient world, these laws did not exist to help them prove their worth to God. Instead, these laws existed to help the Israelites remember their sin and their need for a Savior. So, I know you've maybe heard or read things about the Old Testament laws, and there's a lot of them. As the Israelites are following clothing and diet restrictions that make them very different from the nations around them. As the Israelites are following these detailed rules about cleanness and uncleanness. As the Israelites were confessing their sins symbolically over animals, which would then be sacrificed in their place. What was happening is they were being reminded of the message that had been passed down from God all the way from the Garden of Eden. We don't need to prove ourselves to God. Even though we've messed up, even though we've broken God's rules, God loves us. He's promised to forgive us. In fact, God is going to pay for our forgiveness himself when he comes into our world and sacrifices himself in our place. That's what the whole Old Testament law was pointing to. And from that perspective, God's Old Testament law was a wonderful thing. And yet, even wonderful things can be twisted and corrupted and abused until they become bad things. And by the time that Jesus came into the world, this is basically what had happened with the Old Testament law. A code of law that had been designed to turn people towards their Savior had really been hijacked by the Jewish religious leaders, and it had been turned instead into just another cheat attempt just another mechanism by which good people could try to prove their worth to God. So the Old Testament law had been twisted and perverted and, and morphed. And there's one specific group of people in Jewish society that particularly were focused on this. They, they really wanted to be the heroes, the good ones, the set-apart ones who were better than everyone else. And that group was called the Pharisees. Didn't have photography back then, but... Uh, this picture is here not only for the proudness on their faces, but also some of the very, very detailed customs that they're following. The Pharisees were so obsessed with laws that they made all kinds of extra laws that it would be virtually impossible for the average person to keep. God's law says to rest on the Sabbath day, so we're going to make a bunch of extra laws that make it so you basically can't even move on the Sabbath day. God's law says give 10% of your income to the temple. We're going to make extra laws where we have to give 10% of every last leaf clipping from every herb in our herb garden to the temple. So we're showing up with our little baskets of herbs and look how much better than everybody else I am. God's law says we should take his word so seriously it should be as though we would bind his words upon our foreheads. 
Well, we're going to make a law where we literally bind God's word upon our foreheads. We'll take a tiny little scroll, we'll put it in the basket, we'll put that basket on a headband, we'll put it on our head, and at certain appointed times, we will be walking around with God's word literally hanging off of my face, demonstrating to everybody else that doesn't have God's word hanging off their face, I'm a little closer to God. It was clear from how they spoke and how they acted and even how they dressed that as the Pharisees walked around, they felt that they were the good people. If, if God was going to accept anybody in the world, it was going to be them. And the religious extremism had reached such a point that the normal average Israelite at the time of Jesus was just about ready to give up all hope of even being saved. But into this world of religious extremism stepped Jesus. And he challenged the entire way that people were thinking about God's law. He said things like this, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, what was the standard for entering the kingdom of heaven? What had the law of Moses actually said? Jesus quotes it. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And then Jesus embarked on a whole bunch of examples, which we read earlier in the service, but essentially Jesus is saying, do you guys really want to do this? You really want to prove your worth to God and make him like you? You really want to earn your spot in heaven? Here's what that would have to look like. It's not enough to avoid murder. You must also avoid being angry with a brother or sister. It's not enough to avoid adultery. You must also avoid having a single lustful thought in your mind. It's not enough to avoid harming others. You must go out of your way to help others, even if they are harming you. You guys really want to do this? You guys really want to prove your worth to God and make him like you? then you better be prepared to be perfect. But God's law couldn't make people perfect. Just like all the Pharisees' laws, their extra laws, couldn't make people perfect either, because that's not what the law is for. That's not what law does. As Paul said to the Romans, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin our need for a savior. That's it. So this is the thing that every man-made religion in the history of the world has gotten wrong. They all focus on proving yourself to God by following laws. But you're never good enough. You're just never good enough. In the Bible, God reveals a whole different way for human beings to find worth before him. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This is what the whole Old Testament was talking about. This righteousness from God is given through faith in Jesus to all who believe. Do you understand what that last sentence is saying? Righteousness. That is another word for perfection. That thing that is so unattainable, that thing that no hero in the history of the world has ever been able to achieve by following laws, perfection is given. And it's given to us. And it's given for free. 
Perfection is given to us as a free gift from God himself, bought and paid for by the perfect life and death of the promised Savior Jesus in our place. In terms of the law, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And yet in terms of the gospel, all of us are justified, made righteous, made perfect, freely by his grace, simply through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So it's ironic. Do you see the the Pharisees were exhausting themselves, struggling up this impossible mountain, trying to prove themselves to God and earn their way to heaven when the whole time, the door to heaven was standing wide open right beside them. The door to heaven was simply faith in Jesus. That's why Jesus said, I've not come to abolish the law or the prophets, but to fulfill them. The whole point of the Old Testament law was to point the people to their need for a Savior, and in Jesus, that Savior had finally come. So, an amazing thing happened as Jesus was teaching. And it happened over and over all the time when Jesus was teaching. And here was the amazing thing that happened. As people listened to Jesus, they realized the pathway to heaven was way easier than they ever thought. They did not need to have this insanely meticulous obedience to laws of every kind. All they needed was Jesus. And that is all that you need too. All you need is Jesus. But it doesn't always feel that way, does it? Like all you need is Jesus. Because our world is just as religious and just as law-focused as the ancient world was. Our world just does it in different ways. So, like in the ancient world, people tried to gain God's favor through organized religion. Offering sacrifices, giving money, doing all these right things to earn the favor of the gods. In our modern world... I think we've recognized as a society that that doesn't actually work. That doing a bunch of good religious things is never going to actually make God love you. And if we're honest, doing a bunch of good religious things can be kind of exhausting. So as a society, we've really gone the opposite way. That instead of coming to church, we're leaving church. Instead of adding laws, we're subtracting laws as a society. We're saying, I don't need God to tell me what's right and wrong. I will live my own life. I will follow my own morality. I'll just try to be a good person, better than most people anyway, and we'll just let things sort themselves out. These are the religious thoughts of modern-day society. But do you see what's happened? In the big picture, nothing has really changed. As a society, we're still trying to justify ourselves. We're still trying to impress someone. We're still trying to prove our worth and show that we are the good people. All that has happened is that in modern day society, we've lowered the bar. Right? So we've given up on the idea of impressing God. And we've just settled for impressing other people here on earth instead. We've given up on the idea of heaven. And we've settled for just trying to create as good of a life in this world as we can. We've given up on the idea of perfection, and we've settled for just trying to be as good of people as we can possibly be. As a society, we have given up our lofty religious ideals. As a society, we've settled. But here is the most awesome thing about God. He refuses to let us settle. 
And in the Bible, God challenges us with some questions like these. Modern day person, these would be God's questions for you. Would you actually like God to notice you and care about you and care about your every day and every minute and think you're special? And would you want God to be proud of you? I mean, that would be nice. God challenges our modern day society with questions like this. Wouldn't you actually want to have an afterlife if you could? I mean, we're working on trying to make this world a better place, but wouldn't you want to live in a perfect place where everything is perfect, where you're perfect? Wouldn't you want to be perfect and have a perfect body and live with God in happiness forever? You say, well, yeah, that'd be nice. Well, in the Bible, God says, okay, you can have it. In fact, you've got it right now. The door to heaven is standing wide open right beside you. Perfection and eternal life are yours. God does notice you, and he does care about you, and he does think you're special, and he is proud of you. In fact, God is so proud of you, God values you so much, he gave his only son to go live a perfect life in your place and die on the cross so that you can be with him forever. Brothers and sisters, you don't have to lower the bar when it comes to being worthy before God. You don't have to settle because in Jesus, God has reached down and he's picked you up and he has lofted you up into his family, into perfection, into eternal life. And that is God's free gift to all of us through faith in our Savior, his son, Jesus. Amen. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus, your Savior. Amen.